Hey there, guys, and welcome back to episode 179 of the NH2A podcast. We discuss anything related to the Second Amendment, including firearms, gear, and current events. I'm your host, Jacob Clifford. Join my co-host, Jerry Mitchell. And today we're doing a Q&A here with uh, Reaper again. Good to have you back, man. Pleasure to be here as always. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, if you want to give us a little update on a couple of what projects you got going on. Uh, so we're starting with the new page, Reaper Consultation, after the great zuckening of the fifth page. Um, and after a hiatus of kind of thinking about where we're going to take the page and what we want to do, we feel that the kinetic side of things within our community, the, the ball is rolling there. and we, It's the snowball effect. And while I want to keep continuing an effort there, that's not where I want to start putting my focus. Um, I want to start focusing in on um, hunter killer teams and like things we could do today um, that aren't necessarily the full, you know, SUT um, company size element type stuff. So we're starting two new series. Um, one is called Subtle Sabotage and the other is going to be a propaganda series. Um, both are going to be focused on nonviolent action. And then we're starting to push two new books. Uh, the first being Beautiful Trouble, a toolbox for revolution. It's basically a how-to on how left-leaning organizations have moved the Overton window and done cultural revolution within the U.S., and we're going to start hijacking that for our own use. And then the other one is Sedition, uh, um, Subversion, and Sabotage. And that one's kind of like the more um, traditional value-leaning uh, version of Beautiful Trouble in its own way. Both give you a good idea um, on how to organize nonviolently as well as with an overt organization. Looking forward to that. Uh, so our last podcast with you is actually our number one listen to episode. Uh, so yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, your number one, number one guest right there. Um, so I think people actually did appreciate some of the non gun stuff that we talked about, you know, how we get into like, you know, some political stuff and just being that like social node, I think is the, the phrase you used last time. So that stuff is important as well. Yeah, exactly. And like it, you got to look at it as like war is politics through kinetic means or alternative means. Um, so if you're looking at it through the political lens, um, you're going to need the nonviolent side uh, because that's going to one, get publicity. It's going to move people towards your cause. Um, there's a really good diagram in this book that plenty of people seen. It's like people who are fully against you, people totally for you. And wherever someone is on the perspective, you just want to move them one step closer to you. Um, and that's, a uh, big fundamental portion of what beautiful trouble is. Um, the three S's book um, somewhat ties into that, but it ties in some other things as well that uh, a lot of guys in our community are going to really resonate with. Yeah. It's going to be some good stuff. I also listened to you on the Minutemen initiative podcast, and that was a great, great description of the hunter killer team. So I would definitely recommend people check that out. Uh, so we're going to get into some Q and a, uh, like Jake said in this episode. So we have some questions through our Instagram page and uh, we're just going to start right off and see where this goes. So starting right off, sun and shadow asks, what are the most interesting types of counter sniper tech out there? Counter sniper tactics. What are the most interesting types? Uh, counter sniper tech. Oh, tech. Um, so really common one that we've seen recently, that's actually not new at all. And it's, uh, practicality is that spider system in the helmet um, that detects, you know, where someone shoot uh, has like an infrared beam coming from or a, uh, you know, like a rangefinder beam. That's not new in its most remote sense. Um, there's plenty of groups with that um, because those are like needed for artillery. 
um, right, for ranging. So like that tech isn't new. Um, another one that obviously comes to mind is ShotSpotter. The old ShotSpotter systems are really archaic. They don't work really well. What is interesting, however, is they have been known, and there's a couple court cases out there, they're recording audio all the time. So while its ability to you know accurately detect shots can be hit or miss, ironically, um, it's really good at recording audio. So like not only do you have CCTV out there, you have something that's also recording audio. So keep that in mind. Um, those are the two big ones. There's um, a new one that came out that I just saw, and I only found this out because there's a counter that came out to it. Is there is a device and it kind of looks like night vision almost, but it detects like the scope um, circle and like the reflectivity. So it didn't matter if you're an anti-reflection device, it could pick that out. And basically like through this device, it like, it kind of looked like looking through white phosphor and like, as if someone was shining a light at you. Um, So you could see like there was a scope there and someone came out with some um, counter to that. I need to look more into that because I know like absolutely nothing. Of, about what that is, but initial reactions to countering that would be make sure your scope isn't a perfect circle. Um, so some guys would do like bird nests um, inside their like um, scope. Uh, you could also square it off. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of options out there to counter such things, but um, that one struck me as really interesting. Would a kill flash do anything to help prevent that? Um, so it, it appears not. Okay. Um, only to a degree if it was like offset but like i guess this device can kind of pick that out um again i don't know a whole lot about it i need to look into this but it would be an interesting thing now bear in mind the person has to be like looking through this device but i'm sure it could be automated um so it's just something to keep in the back of your head um netting would definitely counter that as far as i'm aware um i'm pretty sure because you're putting a basically solid object in front of it Hmm. um are any of these uh, options that you mentioned, are any of these feasible on the civilian side or are they more military tech? Not as far as I'm aware. Um, okay. I'm sure you could hook up like a raspberry Pi and create like that spider device or something similar, but like not really as far as I'm aware. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not really familiar with any of those devices, but um, yeah, it definitely seems like something that you would, if this was like a big uh, threat, you know, to whatever you're dealing with, then it would definitely be useful to have this kind of tech. I agree. Okay. Uh, C A. Uh, excuse me. Seafair NH asks favorite practice drills. Oh, Chris. Um, for pistol or rifle, like I was just like the up drills. I, it's like super basic, but like I just like them. It's just good to be able to you know like the first um, time you're shooting for the day, just like like that's kind of where your baseline is, is like those first few shots you get off. Um, so I always like that. Um, I just enjoy it. Um, as for like long range stuff, um, I kind of like p- doing like target transitions at long range. Like there's no real drill to it, but I just like popping back and forth because you can be dealing with different distances and just being able to find a target in your scope. It's a really good indicator of like one, can you settle down after a shot and go to a second shot? Two, um, can you count for the variances in the wind or the distance with that and then um the other thing is like can you even find the target through your scope so some guys will find that like hey rocking at 25x probably isn't ideal i might have to back off yeah for Uh, sure and you can kind of play around with it um 
in like how quickly can I get on target with, you know, like a 600, 800,000 meter target um, and time yourself there, um, getting set up, like run to your um, gun, get set up, um, calculate um, your dope and windage, and then take the shot and see where you're at. Um, we all suck, but it's just a good indicator of like if you're under pressure. Um, but for great drills, I'd probably refer to like Bruiser Industries or something like that. Yeah, he's got good good stuff. And speaking of that, I actually stole his um, ladder uh, drill. I, d- I didn't do it like um, by the book per se, but Jake and I went out shooting yesterday and yeah. I just brought out a ladder and we had a steel target set up and we shot at 100, 200, 300 yards. Um, and it was just take a shot from each rung going down and then work your way back up. So then you're establishing a position every time you're finding that the target yeah. working through and your you- trigger. Exactly. And then you could also do like um, grouping drills. It's not really a drill, but just like find what your actual, like the best group you can make in, um, you know, from like prone, supported, prone, kneeling, sitting and standing. And then you have like a good idea of like, hey, here's how accurate I really am. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good targets for that. And you can always use the trusted old B8. And then you have a a scorable metric there, which is cool. Um, And then like you touched on cold start drills. Um, I'm, I'm starting to get more into that. Um, we, we just did, we did like a hostage taker, um, cold start drill yesterday. So it was, uh, move, move from a 25 yard line to the 10 yard line with a handgun and then take a single shot on a, on a hostage taker, just like a high consequence shot. And to be honest for like a lot of like the close carbine and like close pistol stuff, I'll just use like printouts I find online, like a T-Rex arms and bear solutions. I'll just use those to kind of just flip through them. Um, there's also refactor tactical has like a card deck with some targets. It's really fun. Uh, if you're kind of looking to get good with the rifle, uh, up close and just have a little fun with it. Um, I've always found those fun as well. Nice. Andrew asks any experience with mercury filled bullets. I'm very interested to hear your, your thoughts mercury on this one. Filled bullets. No, I've, I didn't even know. This yeah, we had to thing. Google it. So we did a quick Google search. So I'll read to you. Interesting. Mercury tip bullets, also known as dum dum bullets are bullets with hollow point filled, excuse me, with a hollow point filled with liquid mercury. And apparently this was done to make the bullets more lethal by increasing the energy transfer to a target upon impact. Huh. I don't know exactly how that works, but. Yeah. Weird. It almost made it sound like in some of the other search results, like it had some kind of explosive factor, which I'm not sure about. See, I was always under the impression that dum-dums were um, like when you double up around. Like it was an allegation made um, by the Germans on the Lee Enfield. At least this was like, you know, what I heard um, that that little that little like ring in front of the magazine on oh. the um, on the Lee Enfield was meant to be able to load a dum dum. So you would be able to pinch off a bullet, put it in the chamber and then chamber around to fire a double. Mm. Um, so I find it interesting that they're calling those dum dums. Didn't the but, U.S. military experiment with like double loading? It's like, yes, during like Vietnam, they did those, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it was a complete failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was—I mean, you give them pretty good mercury poisoning, though. I mean, in theory, <laughs> uh, it's the first time I'm hearing of this. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of, like I've heard of like depleted uranium being like experimented with, and like tungsten, yeah, and, like all different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, and like different metals for like armor piercing capabilities, but like nothing. Like it sounds like something like a bunch of um, hillbillies from like, you know, South Georgia would be just trying out and, you know, using it to shoot hogs and whatnot. 
Yeah. Right. Well, I was saying, like, we're just going to go around with the boys and collect all the old thermometers in town and start making our own. <laughs> just got to be careful. That's right. Like, wear your gloves, Cletus. Yeah. <laughs> right. With Freer Diecast asks, best do it all scope power with backup RDS for a 14.5 to 16 inch 556. Let's say 300 to 600 yards. Um, I think like one to six or one to eight is perfectly fine. Um, I use a one to eight and it works great. Like, I don't really feel like I need more scope for what the rifle is, um, and what it's capable of personally, but it's, it's an entirely like preference based thing. I'm more worried about like the durability of it. Like, can I beat the crap out of this thing? Will it keep working? Um, and then also just like be aware to not get stuck in like the whole, like, my one gun is my life. Like if you, you need to have a group of guys you can rely on who are like available and close. And like, um, that way you're not just rambling your way through life. Um, because like, you know, two is one, one is none. Like if you're just solo out there, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, so don't get caught up too much in the gear. Like if you can't hit the targets, it doesn't matter how much scope you have period. The end. Um, as well as like scope clarity to me, in my experience, I, it matters way more than the magnification. Um, I've had um, looked through a 20 times mag and then I have this nice Vortex Razor HD seven times mag and I'm looking at this target a mile away and I can barely see it with the 20 times and with the Vortex Razor, it's like clear as day. It, I mean, it's mm. the glass is as good as my night force and I'll go on record as saying that. Um, really weird for you know what it is it's an expensive range finder for, for most people but um yeah so i'd wor worry about more about durability and glass clarity um and the reticle as well like i i hate bdc's personally i don't like you're gonna grow out of them so quick um you know if you really want a precision weapon mill base is where it's at mm -hmm. but that's just me yeah no i agree it's it's kind of a leap like especially if you don't have somebody to learn from it's a leap to get into mills, but it's definitely the way to go. Um, yeah. I started off with a Leopold Mark six, um, and it had their five, five, six BDC. And I was running it on a 12, three, which that reticle is meant for a 14, five shooting 62 grain ammo. So it just didn't line up at all. Um, yeah. So and even if it is like matched for your barrel length, like, you know, the same barrel length using the same bullet can have different velocities, which puts you off at, you know, 800, 800 meters. And we want to be as exact and close as we can get. Right. And it helps us understand the math behind what's why everything's doing what it's doing. Right. We're not just some grunt who got thrown through boot camp and like we get the, you know, lowest common denominator, you know, scope reticle. Like we're Americans, like we have our brains, like let's put some effort into learning what's going on. Why is X, Y, Z happening? and help us to become more accurate and proficient shooters and marksmen. Um, but, you know, magnification, I'd say one to six, one to eight personally, but use whatever works for you. Yeah. What are you running for one, uh, one to eight? Um, I run a couple different things. Working with a VCOG one to eight right now is, I would say, not the ideal scope for 99.999% of people. Like, it's not. Um, if you want something really nice that works great, go with the Night Force one to eight. Um, plenty of people like the vortexes, um, looks like primary arms is doing well as well. Um, some, some guys are running the SIG Tango one to six T. I have no commentary on that at all, but you know, there's plenty of options out there. 
Um, so I just look at the criteria I kind of laid forth and see what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've been running a Trigicon AccuPower recently, one to eight. And overall, I like it. Yeah, the turrets are nice. The magnification adjustment is very smooth. Uh, I just have a couple gripes with the reticle and kind of to your point of that. Um, when I was, I had the opportunity to shoot moving targets. I was up at Ridgeline not too long ago and um, it was a walking moving target. So walking at uh, like two to four miles and at a hundred yards, the hold for that is about two mils um, in front of the target. And just the, the horizontal marks on that scope were just so fine that I had to be zoomed in um, close, like four X or higher to see those marks on the scope, um, which didn't work well when you're trying to track a moving target. So just trying to work through some of the issues you might have with, with your reticle. Um, that definitely comes into it. So like the, uh, the night force reticle is, is perfect for that kind of stuff because, um, the way they designed it is that the illuminated part, um, not the center dot, but the outside of it, that is at the two mil mark. So it's like, it's perfect for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like that night force you can dial, um, which is like, if you're really trying to get accurate with it, like that AR 15 can now be, you know, what is functionally a sniper rifle. Cause it allows you to be that just that much more accurate, you know, holds are great if you have to be quick, but it's not the most accurate way to go about things, uh, with certain radicals. Yeah. And we've kind of gone back and forth with LPVOs. Um, I've, I kind of have a love hate relationship with them because in my opinion, they're a compromise. I like them for certain things, but in the same breath, they're not perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, and that red dot's really nice if you're working up close with night vision and stuff like that. So it's like, there's a trade off with everything. Yeah. I think, um, I'm looking forward to having a good Christmas tree style radical in the Leopold Mark five, two to 10. I'm very interested to try that out because I think mm. for, for shooting in this kind of range, like this guy's question, the three to 600, um, like Alex at Ridgeline defense, he says two X per 100 yards you want to engage. And that's not necessarily to hit like a, um, Ipsic style target, but if you're going for headshots, if you're going for limited exposure, um, that kind of stuff, having the extra magnifications and to push through either brush or, or certain lighting conditions that can definitely come into play. Yeah. It's kind of like, what do you want to do? Like, do you need to see your wake? Do you need to see where it's hitting dust? Does this matter if you're actually shooting at, you know, two legged targets and they're shooting back? Um, so it's just, it, we're doing with a lot of variables and then you're doing with like the money f factor as well. Like you want more features, what's well, going to cost you. And if it doesn't cost you, like they may cut somewhere. Um, for me, I find like hitting targets max mag minus two is like the, um, meters I can accurately hit with those types of, um, or most scopes. Um, so if it's like eight times, it's usually what, like I consider like a 600 meter scope. That's just for me. Again, everyone's different. Yeah. Um, but like, that's what I found personally. what do you think of that Trigicon, Jake? Um, I actually really liked that. Yeah. I found the clarity to be really nice. Um, I see what you're saying. That was the one you're having issues with those. Um, well, your, your mills on the sides being a little bit more finite. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that, but overall it seemed nice. Um, illumination was pretty fair. Yeah. But, the illumination for a sunny day could be a little bit better. And yeah, and I I was, that's why, you know, I kind of give it the fair, you know, I can't yeah. say it's great, but yeah. 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 That attacker though, you can't beat that for the, the, uh, the brightness on that dot. I think it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
And, but personally for me, like I like a crisp, clear reticle. Cause like, I usually will just leave it off during the day. I find that so many uh, magnified scopes like daylight bright means nothing. Um, I'd just rather have that clear reticle. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Goliath Gunworks asks best candidate for next election. This just sounds like a loaded question. <laughs> um, who's who's that guy from New Hampshire who ran with like the boot on his head? Oh yeah, yes, Vermin Supreme. Yeah. Vermin yeah. Supreme's probably got my vote, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm vote for him, brother. Yeah, I need my free unicorns and rifles for all. Oh yeah, didn't he want to confiscate guns and give everybody better ones? Yes, yes, yeah, Vermin <laughs> Supreme. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm doubling down. I'm committing uh, voter fraud just to vote for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just mail in, mail in vote and then show up at the polls. <laughs> Dude, imagine if we like started a movement though. Like we, <laughs> we actually got him elected, you know, like it'd be crazy uh, because well, actually, hmm? the tactic he runs is in the book, beautiful trouble. It's called like a, uh, what is it? Faux election hoax election. Uh, it's basically to like point out issues in culture. Um, if you look, they're like st- like starkly similar. Another reason hmm. to read the book. Yeah, hmm. I'll have to get on that. Yeah, uh, who's the the heck's his name? Was it Bobby Kennedy Jr.? Um, RFK. Yeah, I don't know much RFK about Jr. him. I-, I listened to the first little bit of his po- Rogan podcast, and like, I really had to listen to it more. I just wasn't in the, you know I wasn't in the mood for it. He's it hard to a- listen to because of his voice. Yeah, and I know it's not his fault. All right. But it was really hard first thing in the morning at the gym to listen to him. I kept clearing my throat. So and- if you made me vote and made me vote for a person based on looks, it's got to be him. He's jacked. Oh, yeah. Dude, he's an animal. Yeah. For like- his age. Yeah. 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 And he was like sounding pretty good until he got on one of the news stations recently and was like, yeah, if, if uh, Republicans and Democrats in the House and Senate get together and pass gun control, I'll sign it. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I hadn't caught that. So like he was he was kind of on the fence about gun control. And now he's like over the fence. So, yeah, yeah, they, uh, the uh, WEF threatened him with some six five Carcano, and he kind of figured that out. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, so his like, uncle gets assassinated, his dad gets assassinated, and then they're got like, the uh, yeah, it's... like you know, I could go for public office. You know what I mean? Like, bro. <laughs> wouldn't that just be a little bit too suspicious if they took him out? <laughs> yeah, imagine he's like, so no shit, there I was, you know, driving past a book suppository, and like. <laughs> Once is an accident, two's coincidence, three, I sense a pattern. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking hey, dude. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he's fully on board with the CIA killed his uncle. Dude, the CIA is like, listen, brother. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but we're just taking orders, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't think for ourselves. Oh man. Um but, but I think this is kind of like uh obviously like the candidate that there's so much stuff going on there, but I, I think there's kind of some other stuff we could expand upon on this. So for example, what can we draw from 2016 or excuse me, 2020 that Fuck, might, it was a whole election. I, sense the, I, I keep thinking the last election was 16. Oh yeah. But yeah. what are some, what are some lessons learned that we can draw from 2020 that might reappear or, or show themselves in, in a worse light, you know, coming up? I would just say everything you've seen is going to keep escalating. Um, it's just, you know, it's like, you see this like rise, fall, rise higher than it was before fall, rise higher than, you know, it's just kind of like, kind of like stock markets, like it just keeps rising and falling, but it's in a upward trajectory. Um, like we've already seen kind of what's coming. Like, I think the writing is completely on the wall. 
Uh, I don't know if it really needs expanded upon for the most part, but I will say like, stop expecting people to come save you period. The end, like no politician, no great man is coming to save you. If there's someone posing as a cultural great man, who's like, I'm going to be the solver to all your woes, whatever that person's the next dictator, like, or it's just a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, you got to be your own hero. Like that's how it is. Like no, no one's coming to save you. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps, grow a pair of balls, figure it out. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I think everybody is looking for that, like that Messiah. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's a constant battle of like, bro, like you need, you need to be the kind of person that saves you. Um, yeah. It's a really good point. Yeah. Which at the end of the day comes, comes down to your physical fitness, your preparedness, your, your potentially your shooting ability, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. It'd be as dangerous as humanly possible, yeah. but as good as humanly possible. And start weaning yourself off the system. So when things do, you know, reverberate and crash, you're insulated to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's a very fair point. Yeah. Cause potentially we're going to see more uh, cities burning again, uh, see more fringe groups, which, you know, may lead to more instances like violence. Like, uh, yeah, like Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, yeah. So uh, potentially, or even, as long as the system stays intact, more people might get drugged through the legal system yeah. for defending themselves justfully. We'll definitely see a lot more like incidents, which will be like, you know, I think hindsight 2020, you know, 20, 20 30 years from now, they'll just call it like terrorism. Um, so what what we should call today is like terrorist accidents or incidents, I should say, um, you know, people using violence against innocent bystanders for political goals, which I guess you would say a lot of mass shootings are, um, but like things like that. Uh, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple bombings here or there. I know it's dark, but like, that's just, it's kind of how I see these things going, right? There's a lot of pressure built up and it's going to start leaking through. Yeah. No, and I think, yeah, between that and just a societal, like, um, a moral collapse in general, it's, like, harder and harder. You have to, like, separate yourself from it. Yeah, you got to check out. Like, I turn on Twitter, and I guess there's some whole conundrum where some dude is, like, pimping out his wife on, like, porn or something like that. I don't fucking know. It's degenerate. But it's just, like, the world's a dark place, right? Yeah. And you got to be the shining light. You have to set the example. You have to save yourself and save others around you. Like it's up to you. You, the George Washingtons, the Francis Marians, they're all dead. Like you got to be the next guy. You're up. Your time to shine. Like, are you gonna are you gonna pick up the ball and run with it, or are you gonna you know just drop it? Um, are you gonna establish a future for your kids, or are you gonna tell them, hey, sorry, I was a pussy? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's how I try to look at it. Yeah, like in 50 years or whatever, are you going to look at your grandkids and be like, yeah, I just stood by and did nothing while everybody lost their rights or yeah. lost whatever, you're whatever like, you're fighting for. Yeah, while you're like fat and diabetic. Yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your wife oh, has yeah, an OnlyFans or some shit. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. Like get married, have kids, set the example, um, be in shape. Like if you're not in shape, no one's going to take you seriously. Like you see the fat guys who are like, yeah, America's the best country. It's like, dude, you lay 340 pounds or or I would say a uh, walking joke, but you can't even walk. So you're like a rolling door. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the meme. The guy in like the red, white and blue, these colors don't yeah. run. 
<laughs> like, of course they don't. Yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, dude. They take the elevator, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely never been easier to um like uh exceed the standard. There, that's one benefit. Um, well, the resources are out there. Resources are out there, but also the standards are so fucking low. Oh, that's true. Like, as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's say this. Like, let's say everyone in the gun community let's just generalize, is relatively in shape. Let's say we're all generally in shape, right? We're not overweight. We could run a couple miles decently. I'm not saying like we're shredded, but imagine how that changes public perception of people who own firearms compared to like this, you know, as we're transitioning to that, you know, what was previously like just fat old white guys. Yeah. Um, that completely, like, what are you going to say? Like, I'm jacked, bro. Hop off. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think, um, yeah, being as smart and physically fit as you can and as skilled in just your all around life and like not being socially inept um, are all very important features. Like be a community that's like, yeah, like that's full of just awesome people who are all around. Like, you know, um, I don't really know how to explain that, but I mean, that stigma you mentioned about the fat old white guy and then you can add in like shitty, um, nylon gear and the BDU uniform. Like we're still fighting that stigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and now we have away. guys who also, you know, while they might meet the physical criteria, just lack ethics and are in the, like, I will rob you um, kind of mentality. So it's enforcing the morality portion of it as well. Um, but the you know, physicality and mentality portion is going to be huge. You know, if we're all well-read physically fit, like boom, like public perceptions, going to change as we're already seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely those types that think because they have the guns, they're going to be the ones that are going to seize the power when shit hits a fan. Like, Oh, I don't need to stockpile food because I can just go raid the grocery store. I can raid my neighbor's house. And it's like, well, you either do that to the wrong house and it ends poorly for you, or you do it with no morals because you're going to take advantage of people. And people are going to catch on and they're going to figure out who's doing what. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're, yeah. And then street justice, you know? Well, I actually, you know, I saw this post the other day that like made me really think about that and how some people like glorify, um, like unnecessarily, unnecessary violence or, you know, without any, without any thought into it, someone had put up, um, they had like a picture of like, they, they hoisted like the American flag, but instead I think it was all like, it was all, um, like maroon or mercury. Like it was instead of black, I think it was like red. And so they said it's worse than hoisting the black flag. And they said it's because at least there's some, you know, bro post about like, at least like pirates or like the black flag hoisted means they just hurt combatants or whatever. And like, this means yeah. I've never stopped for anything, kids or anything. I'm like, bro, are you listening to yourself right now? <laughs> She's like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I'll kill kids. I don't give a shit. And it's just like, you need to fucking take a minute and realize what you're even saying. Like, you need some bro, Jesus. You need a joint. <laughs> Dude, right? Like, <laughs> holy fuck. Like, yeah, it's some dude like, you know, it's probably his homeowners association was pissy about it. You know what I mean? Or like he's straight up like suburbia and he's just, I'm hoisting the maroon flag today, sweetheart. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, bro, I just, yeah, some fucking people, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, where lack of ethics and lack of um, future goals kind of lead you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the same guy asks, how can we prepare for the future of America and what will it look like? So we're kind of touching on that. Yeah. Um, Get your social skills down. Read How to Win Friends and Influence People, and then read Ray Dalio's Principles. Um, this will help you work with 
folks and deal with them. Um, you can also read 48 Laws of Power if you want. Um, that's a good one as well. Um, bear in mind that last one will kind of come off as like a sociopath wrote it, but just take it with a grain of salt. Um, food, water, beans, bowls, band-aids, whole nine yards. Everyone's got that covered. Um, go meet people, uh, not just people to train with. Um, you know, it's like, oh, I can't just find like-minded people. It's like, do you have neighbors? Like, go meet them. Well, they don't want to train. Cool. Who cares? Uh, go meet them. Go to dinner with them. Meet them. Bake them a pie. Take care of them. Like, if they don't know you, how much more likely are they to turn on you? Um, so get to know them. Uh, find out who's who in your town. Uh, do your area study, uh, which is basically just a civilian version of intelligence preparation of the battlefield. Uh, you can't do anything if you don't know what's around you. Uh, if you do have a group, get some SOPs and contingencies in, like no contacts. Like, how do I get get a hold of you guys? What warrants one of us like having to um, bug out of our house? Um, where can we meet each other? Where can we find each other? Um, a base level of IFF would be good. So it could be like flashcodes, um, challenge response, um, you know, some type of visual IFF. Um, you know, get a take note of your neighborhood. What are your likely threats you're going to deal with? Like, are they gangs, organized crime, unorganized crime, riots, etc.? Um, and just start taking notes of things. Like, think if you're right. If if the the thing has happened, it's too late to start planning. You got to start planning now. You got to start preparing now. So it's going to be a lot of people skills. It's going to be a lot of proper prior preparation and planning. Um, it's going to should be the mass of it. Yeah, I always kind of. I try to, and it, war gaming kind of comes into this too, and, and that's where I'm going with this. Is trying to figure out like what what would be the most likely thing to happen in our area if the system just totally collapsed. Um, it's kind of interesting because we we live in a rural area where most people own guns, so I'm trying to think like what exactly the the most likely threat for us would be, like gangs of marauders or something, like people that band together and try to take resources which is a possibility, but they're also that outcome would be risky for them because of the outcome of the people with firearms. But. True. Yeah. I definitely wonder about, you know, like, like a lot of rural areas were, were blessed with the opioid epidemic. And um, so I yeah. wonder about like, which, what that um, group of individuals would do, you know, um, commit more crimes. For, like that's petty, what I'm wondering. Yeah. Thefts and- yeah. You know, the, the ones who survived the shakes long enough to like, you know, uh, try to go find more or whatever it is, um, you know, petty thefts and, um, you know, not having anything to fall, you know, cause eventually they're going to starve, you know, cause there's yeah. not gonna be any, any way to, for them to get whatever supply lines they were currently getting, whether that's on the drug end of it or like food and water and so on and so forth. Um, I would also include like what kind of surveillance technologies around you. So what kind of like, um, highway CCTV highway, um, I don't know what they're called, but I guess they ping your phone and they track where phones are going. Um, cell towers are communication towers like UHF, VHF towers. So just getting a general idea of like, hey, what's going on around me? Um, how are people talking? How does like how does infrastructure as a whole work where I'm at? Um, just to give you a picture, it's not necessarily for like offensive or connect means, but it just gives you an idea of like how does this whole thing work? Um, and then you can start to learn how to exploit it, work around it. Etc. or how it can be weaponized against you. Yeah, I don't even have cell service at my house, so. <laughs> Nor do I. Yeah. So I guess there is something to be said about that. Which is interesting. 
All right. And third question from this guy. If there's a great reset, what would you like to happen? That's kind of a weird question, but it's already happening. Uh, and I would like it to stop. <laughs> yeah. Like... Yeah. That's what we're working towards to stop that. Yeah. The great reset part, like would the like to happen. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to reset. You know what I mean? no. Like, yeah. Um, and maybe there's multiple ways you could kind of take it. Uh, you know, I just like to have us, you know, restored to our former values is the kind of the way I would look at yeah. it. I don't know if that's, but can we have a reverse reset? Yeah. Can we have the <laughs> counter reset? Can I hit the little cancel button? And then it's like, you know, <laughs> undo, cool delete, down. delete, 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 delete. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. yeah. I'd like to unsubscribe from that. That would be awesome. <laughs> right. Um, but in all, all honesty, like this is what we're trying to prevent. Um, you know, the genocide proofing and that great reset is clearly genocide or a- absolute slavery, you know, feudalism. So like y- your enemy is quite clear and easy to define in its own way. Um, so yeah, you should have plenty of motivation to get up and do some push ups every morning. Should you? Yeah. Find your why it's important. Yeah. yeah. MD Domenico asks what important skills to have in government collapse scenario. I think we've kind of touched on this as well. Yeah. Again, the social skills are going to be kind of pivotal. Um, bartering, you know, social and bartering is good as well. Um, being able to collect information without giving away your cards would be great. Um, being able to be a leader. Um, because if you can be the leader, people will look to you because you convey confidence, um, especially in those times of crises. Um, what else would I look at? Um, general foraging skills. It's going it, to like so much of this depends where you're at. Like if yeah. you're in rural New Hampshire, that's going to be completely different from downtown Los Angeles, um, which God help you if you're there. <laughs> um, I think being like a general useful person. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's good because not not everything is like you said. Not everything's kinetic. Being being like a handy kind of person, like, do you have the skills to you know work on a car? Do you have the skills to help fix somebody's house? Do you have the skills to do you know chores like barn chores or something like? Yeah. Be, be a Swiss Army knife. Like, yeah. yes, just yeah. be useful no matter where you're put, um, or be willing to learn. Um, that's they're they're kind of vague answers, but like none of us can predict the future, like we have this general idea of what's happening and what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, where you're at is going to be different than where I'm at. Right. If I'm at 12,000 feet of elevation in the color, you know, Rocky mountains, that's completely different than if I'm, you know, Southeast Phoenix, they're different. Like, what do you want me to, what do you want me to tell you? Um, you know, do you know how to, does it matter to know how to carry stuff through the snow and, um, track elk if you're in Southwest Phoenix or Southeast Phoenix, Probably not. Um, whereas if you're in the Rocky Mountains, yeah, you should probably probably know how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. G Tom G Tom eight one five asks, what to use for targets during covert long range practice in populated areas? <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> um you could use signage. Oh, okay. So we're gonna assume that this is a fake town and you're just using this to play around. Um, if everything's it's safe, all notional, you use, right? 
notional. You could yeah. use signage that's already up. Um, that would probably be the easiest one. Um, you could hide steel targets somewhere, um, depending on what the area looks like. Um, you could set up a paper target against a berm that doesn't look like a paper target. Um, you could use note cards. Um, so use things that are don't look like targets that are targets. Um, yeah, use pieces of paper, stuff like that. Get creative. Sit and think. Does this look like a target? Could I actually use this? Um, you're, the world is your oyster, and the only limit is your creativity. So what's, what's funny is uh, some interstates in mass have some metal signs on the side of the highway that straight up look like targets. You know what I'm talking about? I think I do, actually, yeah. It's on one of the underpasses. There's like they're like red and white, and they have rings on them, and they just like they look perfectly oh, yeah, they like a bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> well, Europeans, uh, you, you know, European uh, road signs have always had that nice round nature to them as well. Very, very target-like. You know, maybe they're asking for it. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of common in this area to see shot-up uh, signs. Yeah, people have been doing it for years. Right. Yeah. It's normally not um long range covert practice. No, it's probably it's like normally just a couple kids in like a 92 F-150, you know, yeah. with a fucking 12 gauge, but like, you know, honorable. Yeah. And they're free. So like you don't have to replace them when you're done. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your tax dollars just do that. Right. Like tax this asshole. <laughs> yeah. um, I think to kind of play off of that, um, kind of some other stuff you can do in populated areas. Um, is just go out and range stuff. If you have a range finder, just go out and like figure out, like try to eyeball it. How many football fields is it for me to this? Estimate it and then get your range finder out, weighs it, actually see what it is. And then uh, if you have dope that you can work with, you can kind of mentally work through, through your dope. So, okay, I'm at 400 yards. My hold is, you know, this many mills. Just kind of mm-hmm. getting some of that practice down. Yeah. And, you know, like with making like a, I like to slap dope cards on the stock and it's just like an average temperature, average altitude, average everything. And like, it's at least like a ballpark. So it's like, if I knew nothing else, I can at least get close to the target and like, just keep that in the back of your head. Um, but like the, the ranging target is perfect. And the more long range practice you do, you can kind of like, it, it becomes more and more familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Just simply like going to like a Walmart parking lot and figuring out how wide it is. It's, it's a lot wider than most people think. And I think you brought this up is the distances that you typically drive seem shorter yes. than, than distances that you typically walk. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a weird perception of your brain. That, that, and especially in rural um, kind of foothills or mountainous areas, um, you find that the longest distances are actually the urban ones, which is like yep. contrary to what you'd think. Yeah. Like I lived in an apartment complex one time and like it was miles of sight lines. Like it was yeah. massive and you kind of understand like how the whole um, Kosovo conflict worked out where you just had snipers sitting in, you know, hotels shooting each other from miles away. Yeah, it's crazy. It's still a recurring issue to this day. that There's still a little learned helplessness. It's just like you just got to figure things out by yourself, like have a little self-confidence. Um, don't know how to change a tire. Well, guess what? There's YouTube University. Figure it out. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. You got second strongest supercomputer in your hand, the strongest in your head. Figure it out. Yeah, I I got one more. We I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this. 
So it's a good good question, but I think this would probably require um, an attorney's point of view on. Um, but this guy's coming from a pretty good place. So um, he was asking about something along the lines of nonviolent de-escalation of an illegal search or seizure of one's property. I'm not specifically, uh, I'm not saying specifically, but something like flashcards that pertain to specific situations in vehicle, on private property, or on public proper- property that would give um, you legal cited rights so that you do not self-incriminate, but you can cite specific laws that protect you from overstepping. It will be more expected for a legal interaction over kinetic slash violent. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't comment on that. I would say that's a lawyer's issues. However, um, when, you know, we need to start organizing like leftist groups do in their own way. We're like, if there's an issue regarding, mm, you know, like search and seizure stuff like that, like it should just be a dog file. Like there shouldn't be a question. Um, about it like honestly we all got locked in our houses by um you know groups that are now today overstepping their biblical and legal bounds um like there can't be this divide anymore period like it's just got to be a dog pile uh and that should be socially unacceptable for such things to happen i mean there's and this is kind of why i put the two books now because it does address that and like not necessarily with the legal ways to deal with such things, but like how to nonviolently deal with such issues. And it's usually with not dealing with that, the issue right then in the moment, it's dealing with it like afterwards or beforehand to prevent it from happening um, or just associate consequences with doing such things. Um, you can look at things like the preventing evictions um past uh, past and present um you know think of the great depression widows being evicted and guys were just coming to town to see like yeah the fuck you are um you could look at bundy the bundy ranch standoff like how that turned out so that turned out pretty well uh and just like hey like you know if you want to fuck with us like you're gonna get fucked on like what do you want me to tell you um you know you treat it like pavlovian training like like it's a dog um, if you do X, Y will happen. There will be consequences. So stay in your lane. Um, because, you know, these police and military institutions are going to become more and more and more and more weaponized against the layman. Um, so preparations should be made. And um, you should also just prepare that, like, it won't matter how much legal protection you quote unquote have. That shit will just happen and you will just be stepped on. Uh, so you need to prepare for that. Um, probably not best in the strategic look to martyr yourself, um, but you should prepare yourself financially um, with your assets, gear, and stuff to make sure it's not just a um, don't keep all your eggs in one basket. That's kind of how I responded to this guy. Um, so, uh, for instance, New Hampshire has a very strict Fourth Amendment um, as far as like law enforcement, uh, which is good for the average citizen. Um, but there's a lot of nuance. Um, so like, for instance, our neighbors to the West, Vermont, they have a motor vehicle exception. So if a law enforcement officer has probable cause to pull you over, they pull you over and then they have probable cause to then search your vehicle. They can search it without a search warrant. Uh, you cannot do that in New Hampshire. If you have probable cause for a search, then you have to apply for a search warrant in New Hampshire. And then once that search warrant is granted from, by a judge, 
then the law enforcement officer has the right to go through your vehicle. So it's kind of learning, learning what you can get away with in your state and what you can't. I got given this piece of advice by someone who kind of did some of the like Ed's manifesto style life. And he said, you take this however you want. Never break more than one law at a time. It was interesting. So it's like, you know, think if you're the IRA, if you're carrying contraband, don't break the speed limit. Don't run through stop signs. Like if you're going to run through stop signs, don't have contraband. Yeah. Um, and it was just that kind of like philosophy of like, it's just risk management. Um, stuff like that. Um, and then I would say like, if that does happen to you, maintain the high ground at all points for PR, just because you assume there's cameras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And case law is public information. So if you want to deep dive your state's fourth amendment rights, go ahead and do so. And, and you might actually learn something. Uh, I know like, for instance, some States you actually have to invoke your Miranda rights. Um, in that you have to say, I want to talk to my attorney versus in New Hampshire. If you just say you don't want to talk, then that's it. So just kind of learning that, that those nuances. This also goes into like, Hey, know who the power players are and get to know them. You know, if like, I know the sheriff, you know, we're best buds. Like what's the chance of him coming in and kicking down my door? Probably pretty low. Ideally. So just keep that in the back of your head. Like everyone should be treated like, I don't mean this like a psychopath or like um, an animal, but like treat people like assets to a degree. Like you're a spy, like think like you're a spy or green beret. Like everyone's got to be an asset. Like um, how does this person play into the bigger picture? Um, so be friendly with everyone you meet. Um, you've been on the Longhouse podcast, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did one with shopping cart authoritarian. Did you happen to listen to that one? Um. I don't, I might've, I'm familiar with the shopping cart theory, but yeah. So so he's actually the one that came up with it and that's his Instagram handle. Um, he was law enforcement, I think in Arizona. Um, but very good points if you guys want to listen to that podcast, but, um, essentially have, have legal counsel on speed dial on your phone. Uh, so that way, if you do get jammed up into a situation, you can, you know, um, invoke your Miranda rights and you can actually call somebody, um, I know there are certain organizations um, as far as like two A stuff goes that you can be a part of Um, in New Hampshire. There's a two A specific attorney. His name is Sean list. um, And he puts his, his number out there in in some of the New Hampshire two A Facebook groups. Um, He's, he has a very good track record of winning cases as well. Um, But having, having those kind of resources handy so you don't have to try to, you know, look something up or, Worst case, rely on like a public defender. Yeah, that'd be awful. Um, and don't say shit that can be used against you in the court of law. Be careful with your words. Just be quiet. Like, not going to talk your way out of it necessarily. Yeah. No. Wasn't there, not too long ago, wasn't there a bunch of like 2A influencers that were talking about getting a legal fund together to bail people that out? That was a conversation. Um, and it kind of mimics what the left-leaning organizations do. Yeah. Um. So it's just like you can't you can't be completely focused on the kinetic stuff. You got to start thinking like so. Think of the IRA, right? There's the IRA and there's the PRA, PRA, provisional IRA. Provisional IRA was like the kinetic stuff. The IRA was like the political side. 
Um, and they had this miraculous split where, you know, they had a disagreement and argument and they were at heads with each other yet somehow simultaneously completely walking in lockstep doing two completely different tasks of what a guerrilla movement would need, which is the overt covert covert's more of the kinetic stuff overt's more of the political stuff. Um, you know, beautiful trouble and sedition, um, sub- subversion and sabotage, like are addressing the overt political side, right? Cause you need to gain people to your cause. You need to get ideas out there. You need to bring awareness to injustices. If you're just posting on Instagram and Facebook, you're not, you're just focusing on this microcosm and not moving the Overton window as much as you could be. Um, and, you know, like that is why we have, you know, breastfeeding men and, um, you know, um, whatever you want to say about anything else that's going on today, right? Where it's, where it's okay to get your, your face kicked in because you set up a laminate stand or um, it's okay to get um, jailed because you spoke up against, you know, the CIA importing cocaine from Nicaragua. Like if you don't bring, if you just stay within your microcosm, um, it's, you're not going to accomplish much. And there's ways to bring awareness while managing risk. Cause that's obviously what we care about. Um, so I would say, if, say, pick up these two books and start giving yourself the ideas so you can start thinking outside of the tactical box. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's good information to have. And, and what are those books again? Beautiful Trouble, A Toolbox for Revolution, and Sedition, Subversion, Sabotage. I'm definitely going to have to pick those up. So is this on the, the Reaper reading list? It is. Along with Fry the Brain? Along with Fry the Brain. Yes, it is. Um, so basically, the situations we deal with at home here in America are going to require a unique solution. Um, and it's going to require the guys to get really smart and maintain a code of ethics, right? We don't want the French Revolution. That's just not... That ain't it, homie. Um, so we're going to have to get smart with the way we're approaching things. Um and start moving the Overton window towards what we need, which in some aspects it really is, um, but it's still not quite enough. Yeah, well-rounded individual is kind of the the moral of the story here. Yeah, exactly. And well-rounded organizations. Um, You know, if you're just built for handling an invasion, you're probably not going to be very good at, um, I don't know, freaking emergency management or... Um, political activism, right? So you got to start developing the skills, start developing your toolbox, right? Because right now the two-way sphere just has a lot of hammers. Yeah. Well, it's true. And luckily it does seem like the community is trying to shift towards like, um, I guess like evolving towards something that's actually, uh, yeah, that's organized, like creating an actual community around it where we have, you know, your hammers and we actually have individuals who are trying to be on the political end of it, the covert versus overt. And even if it's the smaller things like trying to get um, those guys who are just the gun guys, like, Hey, you need to know medical, you need to know comms, you need to know things like that. Um, you need to be well-rounded. Uh, and we're, we're doing a pretty good job of moving the Overton window within our community. It's just moving it outside of our community. That's, the big issue, um, you know, cause we're a decade behind an organization compared to other spheres of influence. 
Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. It seems, so. seems like all those on the other end of the spectrum are, um, have, have made a very large push at, um, normalizing things and it's been oddly yet quickly accepted versus, uh, for us, it's like, now it's our time to do that. Yeah. It's a culture yeah. war. Yeah. It is a culture war. Absolutely. And certainly part of that is the multi-trillion dollar propaganda machine is on their side. True. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time that Overton window of the population, you know, is still moving and we have to fight that. So, you know, it's, the war is not going to be one in your bedroom, just tweeting online. No time for a little come out. Ye black and tans, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a, something you shared. I think it was just recently, uh, we are not outnumbered. We are out organized. Yeah. That was from, uh, um, God, what was it? Light night fighter no. night fighter. Yes. Um, which is true. It's the same thing. I've brought this up. A uh, big guy who's been pushing this is a uh, um, forward, uh, forward observer. And with the area intelligence handbook, um, he's been pushing that forever. He's like, yeah, we're completely out organized, um, which is changing. You know, the, the first step is, you know, finding a training group of like-minded individuals. The other step is meeting people around your community um, and just knowing what's around you. So you know, that's changing, thankfully, but there's still so much work to be done. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of where your, your hunter killer team idea comes in because mm. we're talking about a lot of skills, which, you know, we all have lives outside of this, uh, kind of passion on the side, but, uh, having that organized group of people means you don't have to be necessarily the best at everything. Obviously yeah. it's good to learn all the jobs and, and have that in case of an emergency, but having um, individuals within your group that specialize in certain things is uh, invaluable. Yeah. So like, let me make an analogy here, right? Let's just take, let's take like a video game, like a first person shooter, like battlefield, call of duty, halo, right? Normally you have teams that are disorganized because everyone's playing individually. There's no way to coordinate. But if I take that, just one of those disorganized groups and just make them like they're a bunch of mediocre players and loosely have them coordinate, who's going to win you know, nine out of 10 times versus the unorganized group. It's going to be the loosely organized group because they can focus their energy certain places and coordinate. Um, even if they're not like perfect or advanced, like it's just amazing what a little bit of organization coordination and a little bit of a plan, um, how far that will take you. Yeah. I mean, it's even like those, uh, those small groups of like, you know, like young dads who are like all about getting on like a video game like that. And they, they all hop on one group, you know what I mean? And they got the mics and it's, it's yeah. a good point though. They have communication now. They have an idea. They all have a, a, a similar goal and they all have a loose sense of organization, even if they're not even the best. And suddenly they go out there and they start getting after it and it, and it works for them. Like uh, to translate that to the regular, to the regular world. Um, yeah, it's a really good point. So it's, that's the analogy I can give. So if you're loosely coordinated, loosely organized, you know, have a mediocre level of training. Like there are quite a lot of things you could do with that. Um, you know, cause filling in the advanced stuff is not that difficult once you have the foundation laid. Absolutely. And I, and it's probably something to be said about putting all your eggs in one basket too. If you're the only guy, you know, if you're the, I can do everything guy, um, to have a group that can cover down, you know, that although there might be one individual, um, per role the for people to be able to cover down on another person within that role to have a group of well-rounded people who have their individual skills 
um, is also super important, I'd say. Yeah, I'm sure we talked about it before, but like you can't pull security by yourself for 24 hours a day. No. Um, so, yeah, you so can. you need you need help. Yeah. And I think we're sense. getting, I think we're, as a community, I think we're moving past that lone wolf, uh, lone wolf mentality, which is good. Yeah. Definitely getting there. Yeah, and to just keep pushing the um, progress here, you know, obviously there's a lot of arguing and bickering. Some of it's over stupid stuff, but some of it's over very valuable stuff, right? Um, we have a reputation to uphold within the populace. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to establish that and maintain that. Um, how we act every day online and everywhere else in our lives and the way we carry ourselves and the things we do is going to seal our reputation. So you know, play the politics of it, whether you like it or not. It's how the game's played. Um, sorry. It's, you know, humans are hardwired a certain way, and that's not going to change anytime soon, hopefully. Um, um, so, you know, get get active in your community. You know, do you could do little things like pick up trash, um, shovel snow for your neighbor, bake a pie for someone, um, get to know the special needs groups and volunteer there. Um, help feed the hungry and homeless, find a church, like just kind of be the guy who's around and gets to know people. Um, it, you never know who has what skills or you might find that there's another guy just like you who had your skills and just, um, or had your interests and, uh, you never knew before, or maybe there's someone who is completely misaligned with you, but might find themselves very useful to you in the future. Um, so keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, and we saw this during 2020 with all the riots, how many people suddenly converted over to, oh, I need a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so who who did a lot of these people look at or uh, who did the, they seek for help? A lot of these people went after the people they knew that owned guns already, um, even if it wasn't like a, a close friendship. And they mm-hmm. were like, oh, what do you want? Or what do you suggest? Like, what do you suggest I get? Um, and that kind of stuff. You know, like you build those friendships before those kind of situations happen. So then you have that to fall back on. Yeah. And definitely think of like how you could protect your community in that event or how would you egress in that event event, or how would you extract in that event? Uh, Because I think that's a very likely scenario as well. So just something to consider. Don't just be thinking plate carriers and chess rigs. Start thinking, you know, politics, strategy, and... um, socialization right we're we're going to need all the help we can get in every realm we can play ball in um so you know cyber is going to be a big one coming up here there's a new guy who hopped on the scene who's very like-minded i'll get his tag and he's starting to address the cyber stuff because that's a big vulnerability our community has is like we're all you know technologically illiterate um you know how do you communicate covertly how do you get a burner phone how do you what the hell is a vpn what's how do you securely message um how do you prevent metadata from being scraped how do you conceal your identity stuff like that um it's definitely going to start to become more prevalent as well yeah that's funny because our last guest has a flip phone (laughs) yeah i don't blame him (laughs) yeah i was like honorable (laughs) they're just about indestructible and you don't have all the other stuff tagged along. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see us getting a lot more um, as time goes on, like you're saying, and and the, uh, the threat develops, if you will. Um, 
getting more cyber in tune people on the podcast because it's just going to be necessary as as time goes on. I'll send you a guy's link um, who I think you'll get along with, but like it's there's a lot of work to be done in a lot of areas, um, but we just got to keep pushing for progress. Let me send this over to you right now. I know it's definitely something, um, you know, I could use work in as technology. Yeah. Not to be, you know, like the token boomer of it. Like, yeah. Says the guy that owns a typewriter. That's true. <laughs> dude, typewriters are fucking cool. I don't care what <laughs> anybody says, dude. Listen, my landline telephone, I kind of miss it. It's been like a year. Keep a gun next to that toaster in case it makes a weird sound. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Might be a transformer. Right. My chrome toaster, <laughs> right. too. Yeah. I like it. It's oh, easier. What's that? The internet, like, you have freaking microwaves connected to the internet what the hell is this shit fridges right. <laughs> yeah apparently i was hearing was it this guy that said the f- fridges i heard this recently i don't know because you shared this guy recently um the one you just sent me and yeah somebody was saying like your fridge knows more about you than like it's crazy how much like um all the devices in your house like pick up on what you do yeah i don't doubt it yeah, I could see it. Well, I noticed it more and more that everybody, their all their stuff is slowly going from like, you know, the Maytag dryer to like suddenly everything's a Samsung and it's like smart and you can link it in your house. Because if I had a knuckle for every time I had to turn on my washing machine from my phone, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I put it all in there, but I forgot to turn it on. You know what I mean? Like, and so it makes me, it makes me suspicious. I, like I walked into my parents' house the other day and I like, they must've got a new washer and dryer and they're both Samsung. And I'm like, yeah. The fuck is even that? Like, um, well, well it's that, like the fridge too. The fridge that you can see what's on the inside. A, yeah. It, yeah. It, well, uh, well that was like Mike, Mike got a fucking Samsung oven in his house. And yeah. so I connected to it and then suddenly I just, because I want to see what, how it would work. I just Bluetooth connected to it and then are on Wi-Fi or whatever. And uh, I was at my house. It was giving me updates on whenever he'd preheat the oven. <laughs> and so I would, uh, I communicated him with him one morning at six thirty when I knew he was getting ready for work by turning the oven light on and off. And See, then, that's I, and you're not and even that, a hacker. <laughs> no, dude, I'm just some idiot with a fucking typewriter. All right, like, and I'm at my fucking house. Yeah, fucking with his oven light and like so that. Okay, like that's on the layman end of like what's possible with those things. So I could definitely yeah. see that. I, I I've noticed it. Um, even just from my perspective, being incredibly more suspicious as time has gone on. Yeah. And it's just all correcting this data on you. And it obviously all gets filtered over to the government. And it's just like, you know, if we could just start removing ourselves from that data collection, it just starts to throw wrenches into things. Yeah. Um, and then I would just start to make it more socially unacceptable. You know, pushing for like, this is not okay. Um, chastising people, stuff like that. But yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's a good point. Is like you can't just uh, keep accepting the way things are changing, even if they're the smallest things that don't bother you, or like you don't think they're going to bother you at first. Um, like there's an increasing amount of uh, employers like putting their employees on camera, like whether that's in their company trucks, or whether that's in this or that, or like weird, just weird little nuances like that. Yeah. I feel that like there needs to be an end to it before it gets too far because so I noticed that some, some employers, when you're trying to apply um, for a job, they actually ask you for like your social media handles. Yes. I've heard that. And it's like, what the, like what I do on my own time should be Mm -hmm. my own time. You know, 
it's yeah, it's it's incredible how we've we've kind of more or less just accepted like um, whether it's the government or it, it, end game, it is the government you know that's getting a lot of this data. But whether that's employers or the government or whoever, just increasingly like, oh yeah, c- come right into my life. I don't need a private life, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, I find that incredibly disturbing. That most, most there's a there's a good chunk of people that are like, oh man, it's not really my problem right now. It's like it's gonna be. Could be like, I don't know. Yeah, we just got to cut all the fiber optic lines and just cut the power. Pretty much. I'm just increasingly trying to like, or like more and more eventually just disconnect my house from the grid, you know, just get the propane <laughs> fridge. Like, luckily my fridge isn't as far from smart, you know, but, you know, I prefer, I'm just going to start going to old houses, start buying vintage, you know goods like I, I used to have a microwave with a turn dial so like i thought that one was pretty fucking safe and <laughs> you know and so it's just little stuff like that um i mean the hardest thing to get away from is just the phone part i would say that's yeah. the thing is like all the other stuff is whatever um it kind of pales in comparison to the amount of data collection that's going on in yeah. your phone because use it for a lot of things whether it's getting up in the morning google searching weird shit or just communicating with other individuals especially if you have a samsung phone yeah is that more like yeah really google phones and samsung phones are more they collect more information on you than iphones really yeah i was i did not know that you guys got anything else no that's probably about it yeah we appreciate you coming on again of course my pleasure always happy to come on uh any final plugs um i would say you know, just pick up the two books and start reading. They expand your mind from the kinetic side of things. You just get a full picture of what conflict actually looks like. Um, because obviously getting into like the tactics and strategy is great, but there's a lot more at play here, right? We have the Benjamin Franklins and the Thomas Jeffersons, not just the George Washingtons and Nathaniel Greens. We're going to need statesmen. We're going to need a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely, man. And what's your current handle on Instagram? Reaper consultation. Okay. No underscores or anything? Nope. Not this time. Easy peasy. So go go ahead and follow Reaper. Keep up to date with his uh, stuff. He's still putting out good content, um, like always, and, and we share it when we can. So uh, just trying to keep that going because um, shadow banning seems to be a thing. Um, exposure is hard to come by nowadays. So um, try to share, like Jake says, share good content. That's that's an important part, spreading the, the information. So thank you guys for watching. If you guys like what you heard, be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, NH underscore two, eight underscore. We're also on Facebook, NH2A. If you guys want to find our podcast in YouTube format, go to NH, uh, go to NH2A on YouTube and you can find those there. We also have an email. If you guys want to email us questions, comments, or concerns, that's NH2A podcast at gmail.com. And finally, Patreon. If you guys want to help support the podcast, you can do so on Patreon. All that money goes right back in the podcast is not liner pockets. Yeah. So time for my turn. Um, yeah. Three P's. First of all, be proficient. If you don't know what you're doing, find somebody who does and uh, do it with them. If you do know what you're doing, find somebody who doesn't and help them. Um, yeah. And it's a perishable skill. Um, I've definitely come to terms with that more recently. Focus on a few other aspects um, that weren't marksmanship. And I found myself definitely last time I was at the range lacking more than I should have been. So that's been a new one new thing I admittedly need to work on. Um, but that's what getting out there shows you um, and being honest with yourself about it. Um, yeah. 
you, you got to get out there, practice, shoot. And it's obviously more than just shooting. It's, it's medical, it's fitness, it's all these things. So, um, like we were talking about, be well-rounded. Um, second of all, be politically active, get out there, write the letters, send the emails, make the phone calls, share good content. Um, very important. Uh, yeah, make make your voice heard, be reasonable. And at the end of it all, be polite, be a good person, be the kind of person that the second amendment community, um, and your local community would uh, be proud to have you as a part of. So, uh, yeah, uh, Reaper, it's been a pleasure and, um, it's been an honor. Yeah. We'll see you guys all next time. Take care.